to give the message tonight. Hello again, everyone. That is um, a, lot a lot heavier than it looks, I will say. I'm going to try and change the slides with my phone, see how that works. Might not actually work. Nope. All right. I'm going to have to rely on you. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Let's just start with a word of prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to, to worship you, Lord. We thank you for um, all the effort that everyone's put into this, this service, Lord. And we just want to pray that um, you would do what you, what you want to do, Lord. We pray that you move in ways that are far greater than we can understand, Lord, ways that are um, going to change lives and impact people tonight, Lord. We pray that everyone leaves in a better place than they were when they came in, Lord. So we lift this all up in your name. Amen. All right, so we've come to the end of our series on countercultural. And so that's kind of why I called it the end is just the beginning, because um, we may be at the end, but, you know, we all, we're all going to leave this place and we're all going to go into um, our lives, whatever that looks like. Um, and it'll give us an opportunity to practice what we've been learning. Um, and so, you know, if we, as we've been going through this series, uh, it's come to my attention that a lot of what Jesus teaches, uh, if you read through the New Testament, and a lot of what he does is quite countercultural. Um, he always likes to shake things up, is what I've seen. Um, you know, he will take things like, uh, you know, he will say where people would want to get revenge on someone he would say, you know, actually, don't get revenge on them, but love them instead, and, you know, love your enemies, um, which is so countercultural, even for today, I would say. Um, and I've been reading this book, and I've just finished it, called The Way of Life by um, Brian Johnson, and it's a book that's all about the culture of heaven coming down to earth, which is really cool. Um, and he talks about the fact that some of the Christian words like church, uh, which is a word called ecclesia, and um, the word apostle, which I'm not sure what the Greek word is, um, but they actually were taken from Greek military, uh, sorry, Roman military words um, and used in Christian language, which is really cool. Just another example of, you know, taking something that is the culture and flipping it upside down. Um, so, you know, the word apostle was this person that would go into a town and create a culture that was so like the culture of where the king came from so that if the king came and visited, he would feel exactly like he was at home which kind of sounds a lot like the apostles uh, in the Bible. Um, and the word church is about, it's, it's a word that talks about people who are, uh, I suppose, ambassadors of a government, a government or authority. And so, you know, us as the church, we are ambassadors of, of God and of Jesus, which is really cool. And a lot of what Jesus taught was so countercultural, uh, even for today. Um, and one of the things that I've been learning through this um, is that to be countercultural, it actually takes a lot of effort. And it's not actually the easiest thing in the world to do, because I don't know if you've tried to be countercultural, but it's actually quite difficult. Uh, and so, you know, I've felt this quite recently. Uh, let me tell the story. Uh, so last week we had a team night here, which was really exciting. 
Um, but after the team night, we decided to go to McDonald's, which was cool. Good time. Um, and I thought, you know what, it's a bit late for a coffee, so I might just get a chai latte. And Zach gave me a, a voucher, which was pretty cool, for a free coffee, uh, which was awesome. And I was really excited. I was keen to hang out with everyone. Um, so I ordered it, ordered my chai, and I waited five minutes, uh, <laughs> and it didn't come. Everyone else had already been sitting down there for a while, chatting. Ten minutes went by, and I still didn't get it. And not long after that, I finally got my coffee. And you could imagine I was quite quite frustrated. I was quite annoyed. Um, and they decided that instead of giving me a medium, they would give me a large and give me some chips, which most people would be quite happy about, right? Getting some free stuff. Uh, but my my response was quite worrying for me because I was genuinely mad. I was so angry. I didn't I didn't like freak out and get mad at them, but like I walked back and I sat down and I thought, I was like, you know, they think they can just give me free chips and that's going to make up for the time that I've missed. Um, I was quite annoyed. And I had this kind of sense that I think some people, that a lot of people would understand that, you know, if you're in inconvenience in some way, even if it's small, you feel like there's some right that you have to be angry. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've experienced that, but I felt like I had a right to be angry and I didn't want to let go of that. And so after that, I had to remind myself that the response that I had was not the correct response that, um, you know, I should have... I should have been quite nice and been like, you know what, that's cool, thank you. Get extra stuff, that's nice. Um, but it's a response that I never want to see from me again, if possible. And I'm sure that we've all had experiences like that where, you know, maybe you've bought some food and it hasn't come in the time and it's something you've paid for, so you expect it. Or you order a burger and they put pickles on it when you ask for no pickles because it's terrible. I don't know if you like pickles, but I'm not a fan. Um, but maybe you've experienced this uh, this kind of slipping back into, you know, a more cultural rather than a countercultural culture um, in different ways. You know, maybe uh, you've been around someone or you have someone in your life who um, is a big part, but they're so annoying uh, and you just struggle to love them. I don't know if you've been in that situation, um, but sometimes it's hard to love people the way that you love others if they are quite annoying. Maybe you've struggled in that way. Or maybe someone in the past has done something to you that was uh, rough or rude or mean or they've hurt you um, and you just can't forgive them. You just struggle because, you know, they've done something to you and you feel like you have a right to be angry at them. So it's never easy to go against the current culture and be the odd one out, you know, Um, because when you're the odd one out, people notice and not everyone likes to be noticed. And maybe that's why you struggle to be countercultural because you don't want to stand out. Maybe you don't want people noticing um, that you're doing something different to everyone else. And it's not easy. So if there's anything you take away from this series, long story short, I hope, I hope that it's that you realize what I'm realizing is that trying to be countercultural takes intention. It takes hard work and perseverance. It's not something that we can just, you know, read about and all of a sudden we're countercultural, right? And so this leads us to our passage today, which is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 8. Oh, I'm actually terrible at making the right-sized um, text, so hopefully you can read that. Um, but for a bit of context, I love the book of Hebrews. Um, I did a whole assignment on it in college, which was really exciting. Um, and I love it because there's a lot of mystery around this letter. Um, people have no kind of 100% clue on who the author was or who the people who were receiving this letter were. Um, I believe it was a guy called Apollos, but there's no definitive way... Um, to prove that. Um, But I love the fact that there's so much mystery. 
And there's one thing that um, scholars and people seem to be able to completely agree on, and that's that the people who um, the author was writing to were these Jewish Christians who were struggling in their faith. Um, they were on the verge of actually walking away from, you know, what they've learned and what they've been growing up with and Jesus. And, um, and so the author was writing this to encourage them and to try and um, remind them of all of their history and um, remind them that they need to stay strong in the faith. Um, so let's read Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who were mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God would judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so reading that, it kind of seems like the author's just throwing a whole stack of random things together that don't quite make sense. Um, and so I think that the author, because this is the end of the, um, the letter and also the end of our series, which is good timing. Um, but it's the end of the letter, so he's trying to give these kind of final remarks as he sends them on their way, as he tries to remind them um, how to stay in the faith. And so for us, I think that what this is, is a reminder of how to remain countercultural in our day-to-day life. Because to me, some of this, or most of it, seems quite straightforward in the way that it is, uh, and that it's written. And I think that the main idea that we can find through this passage, um, it does go on, but is that uh, the, the author's calling us to think outside of our own self, you know, not to, to be selfish and to be concerned with what's going on in our life, but to be actually um, thinking of other people and putting others before ourselves. Um, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's look at three practical things that we can take to be countercultural. So, the first one is love. Uh, and this is the first thing that uh, the, the author asks us to do, is to love others. Uh, he says in verse 1, to continue loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so simple, yet it's so overlooked. Um, and so the author here is saying, first of all, he says, uh, can we get the, sorry, the pastor back up. So he says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And so he's talking firstly about the people in the church, the people around you. He's calling us to love each other as brothers and sisters. And so that's not just calling us to love each other as, you know, okay, that's um, some person who goes to church with me. It's, you know, we're brothers and sisters. We're in a family together. And so he's calling us um, to love each other as brothers and sisters. And so I think he's kind of taking it to the next level for us. And he definitely does when he talks about strangers. He says, treat everyone as your... Oh, sorry. He says, love strangers as if they were angels, you know. Uh, he talks about how people have shown hospitality to strangers and um, they've shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I think that would be crazy because, you know, imagine showing hospitality to someone and they walk away and you see like this like ring around the head. And you're like, oh, that was an angel, wow. So I want you to think about how you would treat an angel if, you know, you came across one. You know, you're walking along the street and there is this strange guy with this ring around his head. 
um, and bright glowing lights and wings and whatnot. I think that you would make sure that they had the best food. You know, you'd probably invite them into your house, feed them, you know, give them whatever they want. Uh, if they wanted to stay the night, you'd offer them the best room. You'd let them take the longest shower ever. Um, you know, you would go above and beyond, I think. I think I would go above and beyond, so maybe it's just me. But um, if you were entertaining an angel, I think you would want to give them the time of their lives, right? And so what the author here is saying is that for strangers, let's, let's treat them as if they could be angels. Let's, take, let's love them above and beyond and think, you know, they might be angels, so let's treat them as if they are. And so the worldly thing to do would be to ignore strangers on the street, right? I know for me, there have been many times I've just walked past people, tried not to look at them, um, because it's, it's not always easy talking to a stranger. It's very easy to just keep going and go on with your day-to-day life. You know, it's very easy to walk into a shop and when someone says, oh, hey, how's it going? You just give them a, yep, hello, and then keep going, right? I've done that so many times. It's, it's so much easier to just keep walking because you've got a mission, you've got to buy something, than it is to stop and have a conversation. But we read here in this passage that we're called to a higher standard. So we're called, first of all, to love everyone in the church as if they were brothers and sisters um, and love them more than we would normally think to love them. And we're called to go above and beyond for the people that we don't know, imagining that they could possibly be angels. And I promise you that it is not easy at all to do this. And for me, this, this um, writing this sermon has shown me how much I need to work on my own life and the way that I treat others, because um, it's not easy. It takes confidence, it takes strength, it takes perseverance. And, you know, the first time you try talking to a stranger could go very badly, it could be very awkward. But I guarantee you that the more you do it, the easier it'll get. The more you show love to people, the more it'll become a part of your nature. And so Jesus says the same thing as this passage in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. He says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so he takes it to the next level by saying that the way that we love people the way that we love people in the church, the way that we love the strangers on the street, is how people will know that we belong to God, that we are Jesus' disciples. And I think also it's the way that we love people that other people won't love. The way that we love the strangers, even when everyone else is walking past them. The way that we love those, um, as it said, in prison and who are suffering. The way that we love others is the way is what sets us apart from everyone else. So we're called to love people that we don't know, people we have no connection to, and to sympathize with those who are struggling, who are suffering. And so practically, what could this look like? What could this love look like? Because love is quite a broad thing. There are different, many different ways to showing love. And it, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant, like always buying people expensive clothes or something like that. It could be as simple as inviting maybe your neighbor over, who you don't know yet. Maybe get to know them better and build a relationship and help them where you can. Or it could be just being extra friendly to your neighbor on the street. And it could even be when you're in Coles or something, helping the person who's stacking um, stacking the stuff on the, the shelves and helping them with that. And now I've never tried that, so I don't know if they'd let you, but you know, I think the thought would count. And so whatever it is that you do that is hospitable and loving towards a stranger and towards people within the church, it's countercultural. It takes time and effort. It takes... Um, it takes time out of your schedule to love someone, especially with someone you don't know. It takes extra effort, I think. And so for us to be countercultural and to move away from a selfish, uh, 
self-centered kind of thinking. We need to continue to love one another um, and go above and beyond for the people around us. And so the second thing we come to is trust. Um, and so he talk, the author talks about trusting God and being content with what you have. And I feel as though it's, it's really hard to be content with what you have unless you do trust God. Um, and I spoke about being content not long ago, which is why I kind of took this message in a different direction than what Barry wanted. <laughs> um, but the big thing uh, I spoke about, oh, sorry, one of the big things about being content is that we come trusting God um, so much that if we lost everything today, if we lost our family, our friends, if we lost our possessions, our job, um, that we would be able to trust God so much that we knew that He would look after us, that He would provide for us, um, which is way easier said than done. Um, but I believe that that's what true, complete contentness looks like. And I think the biggest issue that people uh, will have with being content and with trusting God is that it is so much easier to trust in what you can see than it is to trust in what you can't see. And so it's so much easier to trust that, you know, I'm going to provide for myself, you know, um, if I need money, I'll ask for a loan from a bank or, um, you know, I'll provide for my family, rather than trusting that God will come through every time. You know, it's so much easier to trust in yourself or uh, someone close to you than to trust in God because it takes a lot of faith because, you know, uh, it's not as tangible physically, if that makes sense. And I think that's why it is quite countercultural. You know, if God asks me to give up everything I own or like, you know, and give up my family and friends and to move somewhere else, if he asked me to do that and I was talking to a, a pre-Christian friend of mine or someone, even some Christians, they would probably look at me and think I am crazy because that is such a big thing to do based on a God that I, you know, I can't physically see. And so I think it is quite countercultural. I think that the worldly view um, is that every person should provide for themselves. They shouldn't have to worry um, about, you know, someone else providing for them. Um, they should be able to protect themselves and their family. And sometimes I think people even take offense, like if you offer to buy them a meal or something, because they think that they can provide for themselves. I think that there's a culture today about being self-sufficient um, and having no need to trust someone else to care for you, uh, which I think Jesus and this passage takes us um, to be quite countercultural to that. So what would it look like to practically trust in God? Uh, and be content. You know, how can we pr practice being content and trusting God? Um, there are a few things that you can look at if you look at my last sermon or whatnot, but the main thing I think that we can do based on this passage um, to be content and to trust God and to, to, to work on that so that we can be building our faith is that we can be remembering the, uh, sorry, be remembering the promises that God has given us in the Bible. And so this passage um, shows us uh, some of the, the promises that God has given in the past. Um, so in verse, uh, just before, I think verse 5, he says, He will never leave us or forsake us. He's always there for us and seeks only the best for us. Um, and there was a promise also in verse 6 where it says, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So trusting in what the Scripture says um, about God and about how He provides for us and how He promises that He will look after us and be with us and never leave us, uh, it is very it's a very important thing um, because one, if you're like me, I believe that we can take the scripture for what it says and we can, um, the scripture has a lot of authority over our life, not to, you know, God has authority over our life, but scripture is something that we can trust because we believe that it is from God, um, that it's God's words written by people. 
Um, but also because when you when you start to remove the negative thoughts that you know you can't provide for yourself, or maybe the the thoughts that I can provide for myself and God doesn't need to, um, and when you remove those and replace them with God's promises, uh, then you stop relying on yourself and you start trusting that God can provide for you. You know, it's kind of like a positive reinforcement, I suppose. Um, so the the more you lean and remind yourself of God's promises, the more your trust and your faith will start to build. And from that, I, I'd love to, to believe that you'll start to become more and more, well, less and less worried, I suppose, um, and less anxious because you'll be trusting that God will provide for you every step of the way. So to live counterculturally, we need to have complete trust in God and be content with what we have and where we're at and trust that God is going to provide for us every step of the way. We need to be reminding ourselves of God's promises, uh, that He will always be there for us, He will never leave us or forsake us, um, and that He is our provider, our comforter, um, and that He's always there for us. So trust. Uh, And the third thing is imitate which is one thing no one likes to do. Everyone loves to be their own little, uh, their own person. Um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, you know, original, we shouldn't be ourselves. Um, but the last thing that the writer calls us to do is to look up to our leaders, um, the people who um, the people who are doing life well and living, you know, they're not obviously not going to be perfect because they're people, but they're people who are living Christ well and following uh, His teachings. And so I believe that it's very important to have people in your life who, whether it be your church leaders or um, people in your life who you trust and who you, you see as uh, people who live their life well following Christ. It's, I think it's very important um, to have them in your life, and which is why I also think it's very important to be a part of a church and to go regularly because there are going to be people there of all different, um, you know, they're going to be all different parts along the journey. And so there's bound to be people who are further along that can uh, champion you on. And so if you don't have someone in your life currently who you look up to as a good Christian role model, I'd encourage you to find that person, to ask around, to seek them out. Um, You know, next time you're at church, look around, see who who you can see living out their life like Jesus would the best and and go after them and learn from them. Ask them how they're doing life so well or living so faithfully. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says, "'Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ.'" Uh, And another translation says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So there's this idea there that we imitate, well, that his viewers imitate Paul uh, because he's imitating Christ. And so I think in in the same way, we need to be looking for people who are like Paul, who are imitating Christ to the best of their abilities and start to imitate them. And so my question for you is, who's the Paul in your life? Who in your life do you look at and think, wow, they are living just like Christ. You know, I read about Christ and they're doing the things that he's asking. They're, you know, they they might stuff up along the way, but they're doing better than I am. And think about how you can learn from them and to live faithfully and imitate them as they imitate Christ. You know, I've been learning uh, quite a lot this past year that the people you have around you are going to be the people that you start to become like. Um, And so... The, the better people you have around you, the people who are going to grow you and strengthen you and who you can imitate well are the people that you're going to want to be around more often. And so I think that the countercultural part of this, um, of imitating people, is that you have to come at it with a point of humility because um, I, I believe that there's a, there's a culture around where, um, and I've been, you know, I've done this before, but it's easy to get stubborn and to think, you know, that you know everything, that you don't need someone else's help, you know, you can do it yourself. Um, and so I think that 
that's very cultural, and I think to be countercultural, we have to come at it with a place of humility, a place of, you know what, this person might be further down the line with Jesus, and so I can actually learn something from them, and so I'm going to come at, come at it as a, t- as, a, um, as a student, as they teach me how to live. So who do you have in your life that you can imitate as they imitate Christ? Find them, talk to them, uh, imitate them. See how they live their faith out um, to the best of their ability and try to do what they do. See um, the best way that you can imitate them so that you can become more and more like Christ. Imagine what would happen if we all started to live counterculturally. Um, and I'm not saying that we're not living counterculturally, but imagine if we took it to the next level. Imagine if we loved one another above and beyond. You know, we, we treated everyone here as if they were um, our brothers and sisters. Imagine if, you know, we started loving the people uh, that we see on the streets or in the shops or at work that we don't know. We started going above and beyond for them. Imagine what would happen. Imagine if we trusted in God and were so content with where we were at, with um, how much money we had, um, with our relationships, with, um, with everything that we have. And imagine if we started to imitate others the way that they imitated Christ. I think that the difference in our lives, whether it be from, you know, before um, we heard about imitating and um, all this, or just, you know, different to everyone else, I believe that the difference would, would be so noticeable. You know, um, I've been going through a book with our youth leaders, um, and they talk about in there living a questionable life. And it's not living a life where people are like, oh, that doesn't seem right. Um, but it's living a life where people start to ask questions, start to think, you know, why are you doing that? Like, that seems good. Why are you doing that? And so I think that the more that we lived uh, counterculturally, people would start to take notice. And I know that that's a struggle for some people, but I believe it's a good thing that people take notice because maybe they will start to see the way that we're living and start to think, you know what, that, that actually is a good way of living. How are you doing that? How can I do that? And maybe they'd start to live the same way, which I think would be so exciting. And imagine what people would see if they walked in here, you know, brand new people. They'd come in and they'd start to see people who genuinely, genuinely loved each other as brothers and sisters and spent time loving people um, who they didn't know. And so I think that their first impression would be people at the door loving them so much, just saying, welcome, welcome to the family, come along, come in. And I think that would be so good. I think that they would see people who were carefree, were free of anxieties. They would, I believe they'd come here and they'd think, I've been so worried about this, but there's people here who aren't worried at all. They're trusting in God so much. How can I be like that? And I think they'd start to see relief come on them and start to see some of the anxieties fall. And imagine if um, they came in and they saw everyone imitating Jesus. They'd see a bunch of people in a room who were living their life like this Jesus that they may have heard a little bit about. And they'd start to think, how can I live that way too? And I think that would be such an amazing thing. That's the reality that I would love to see. And I hope that you would too. So as we leave this place... um, Let's remember that this isn't just the end of a series. This is the beginning of, um, of maybe something different. You know, maybe we change something in our lives to start living more counterculturally. Or maybe it's just a good reminder and encouragement to continue living the way that we are. But let's start going above and beyond in the way that we love people, the way that we love our family at church, and the way that we love strangers on the street. Let's start to imagine that people, that there's the possibility that we are hosting angels. So let's, let's go above and beyond. Let's start to build our trust in God and start to fall back on the promises that He's given and even looking further back to the promises that He gave to others in the Bible that He's fulfilled. And remember that God comes through with His promises. Let's remember that He never leaves us or forsakes us. 
um, and that he's always there to provide for us. And let's start to find people in our lives that, uh, that we look up to as great imitators of Christ. Let's start to imitate them and become more and more like Christ together. Because I believe that the end result is going to be something so amazing, that there's going to be a culture here of heaven on earth, and that's something that I'm excited to see. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the image that you've given, Lord. We thank you that, um, that he lived his life in a way that stood out to others, not in a bad way, but in a good way, Lord, that showed people that there's a better way to live their life where, um, where they're going to be blessed and where things are going to work out for them, Lord, a, a more carefree, um, trusting in you way to live, Lord. And we pray that as we go from this place, Lord, that each step of the way, um, that we can remember what we've learned, Lord, that we can remember to love others, that we can start building that into our own culture, Lord, and we can just have a natural instinct to love and to go above and beyond for the people around us, whether we know them or not. Lord, I pray that, um, that as we go, we can continue to trust in you, Lord, and we can be thankful for what you've given us, Lord, for our jobs, for um, our provision, Lord. And, and if, as we go, Lord, that we can trust that if all of that were taken away, Lord, that you would still provide for us, Lord. And I pray that you can be positioning people strategically in our lives so that we can be um, that we can be imitating them as they imitate Christ, Lord. Put people in our lives. Um, give us a, a drive to be around people who are going to grow us uh, and going to show us how to live our lives more and more like you, Lord. So we lift these up in your name. Amen.